Welcome back to the Humans of Education podcast. We appreciate you guys being patient with us as we took a short break for the Thanksgiving holiday, but we're back with an amazing episode with our special guest, Stephanie Edmonds, straight from New York City. We dive in deep into the current situation with COVID-19 and New York City schools, and then we elaborate on how she brings her passions for music and entertainment and poetry and hip-hop to the classroom to keep her students engaged and encourage their learning. This is a powerful episode. She's an amazing person. Make sure you follow her on all of her social media platforms, Instagram, YouTube. She's got so much great content every single day. And as always, if you enjoy the podcast, please leave us a five-star review and a rating on wherever you listen to podcasts. And the Humans of Education podcast is brought to you by Teacher Fit. Obviously, heading into the new year, we've got our Teacher Fit New Year's Wellness and Nutrition Challenge coming up in January. If you as an individual or you as a school leader want to participate with your whole school, please check out the resources in the show notes and we can get you set up as soon as possible. Enjoy this episode and have a great rest of your day. Welcome back to the show. We have an amazing guest this week on the Humans of Education podcast. We've got Stephanie Edmonds straight from New York City. What's up? What's up? What's up? Welcome to the show. How are you today? Hey, I'm doing I'm doing pretty fantastic. You know, it's we we just started a new marking period. So I got that like fresh start feeling. And uh, yeah, it's always nice to have those resets, especially like right now. It's that it's that grind time. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Um, you know, we connected a long time ago uh, on social media. I've definitely been an avid follower. I love that you're doing, it seems like you're doing so much, so many different things going on, whether you're working with staff and students and parents. So I'm just pumped to have you on the show. Um, I want to get in first, just because it's hot on the press. It's okay. juicy. <laughs> What is going on in New York City, New York City public schools right now? What's the current state of affairs? Well, I don't know if we can call it a state. It's more like uh, <laughs> one of these ever moving, ebbing and flowing kind of deals. We got this whole like weird like de Blasio, who's our mayor of the city, right. and then the governor with Cuomo. And they have these like weird like standoffs and like passive aggressive. Like they don't seem to like p- pick up the phone call and just like call each other before they do their press releases. Mm-hmm. Like Cuomo usually lets de Blasio go and then he'll go after him and like just, just like say something to undermine what he said or second guess what he said. Like it's not a it's not a great dynamic when people are looking for a little bit of like stability, peace of mind. I mean, I yeah. know Cuomo for some reason he's able to pull off this like I'm a force of you know, like good and stability, but right, right, if you're right. actually really paying attention, that's not at all what it is. Um, so there's that dynamic. And then we've actually been hybrid since the beginning of the year. Okay. They, de- they delayed the start of our school uh, like one or two weeks. And then we went hybrid. I mean, attendance is, is super low. 
um, which I don't see as necessary. I mean, it's good, it's bad, but it lets us in the building, like really a like have in place those protocols, plenty of distance. I haven't had any issues with mass compliance. Okay. Um, you know, one kid to the bathroom at a time. There's nobody like moving around from class to class. They're in that same room all day. So, um, you know, it, when I'm in the building and I see the kids that are there, they need to be there. Those are kids who, you know, either have like learning needs that they need that in person. We have a right. lot of L's like, you know, when you're, a, don't know a language, you know, and you're trying to take classes online, it just makes everything so much harder. Our kids who, um, you know, uh, housing insecure kids, our kids who don't have good internet, things like that. And, and they're so grateful to be there. Like they're, right. they're like, miss, like, when is it? gonna be back to normal so and then of course then there's like the teacher union side and they're very much like super super safety first like nothing is like no risk is acceptable um and de blasio set this like three percent infection rate threshold which you know i was hearing three to five percent in the summer but now it seems like the state set a nine percent infection rate threshold for closing things down so it does seem like three percent is kind of low especially when we work so hard to open the schools right um there's definitely those people out there that think that all of the effort should have been put into making online learning a hundred percent you know a, a reality for for everybody um you know and i, I I think that they have somewhat of a, of, of a point, but I, I think the hybrid was the, the way to go. But I think that even with the hybrid, we could have done a better job at the online portion. Right. So there's like a bunch of different moving parts. And over the weekend, I actually attended a rally. It was put on by parents and I saw it and I was like, you know, what? I'm going to go down and support, see what everybody's going, see if I can talk to people and, and just, uh, you know, amplify what's already going on out there. They got a lot of press coverage, but uh, I don't know if the Blasio is going to budge from that 3%, right. which is a little bit unfortunate, I think. Yeah, it's just the reason I wanted to ask is I, I had watched the YouTube video. I've seen your views on social social media, and I think <laughs> it's important to have both sides of the spectrum because there's a lot of voices on the, hey, you know, going to school isn't worth risking my health, and that's super safety, and I understand that side, and I also understand your size, like there are so many students that need this, you know, they need that comfort, they need the security, they need the, you know, influence of an adult. Maybe it's just a positive influence. Um, you know, the extra learning resources that the, the students that are going through challenging times need to have that ability. So I think it's great to hear both sides of that and to see that you're, you're not just sitting behind your computer screen or, you know, your social media platform, but you're going out, you're talking to parents, you're hearing what they're saying. And then you're also in the building doing the work, which I love to see. So I appreciate you sharing that. And that, that ties directly into like, I see your passion every single day, whether you're dancing and singing for your students, you're creating YouTube videos, you've got a nonprofit, you know, a making history video series, you've got all this stuff going on. I want to get into like, where did that start? Where does that come from? Is it you know, part of your upbringing? Is it your experience in school? You know, what, what has gotten you to this point? Ooh, that's, that's a, that's a lot, you know, it's like, 
it seems like in life, you know, when you think like, oh man, I wasted so much time, like doing this stuff. I should have just been focused on, you know, this other goal from the jump. And so when I was in high school and then into college, I was very much into like hip hop, rap, poetry. Um, when I was at UConn, I did, I was like in the music club, they had a what is that poetry called? Spoken word poetry club. I was part of that. I was on the committee that did events. So, and I like coordinated some like big events where we would get tens of thousands of dollars, you know, to bring in artists, to put up stages, all that kind of thing. And so I really just see all of that work that I did in college and I was just like having fun doing what I was super passionate about and you know I I thought that I was gonna kind of like go in that direction I wasn't necessarily sold on the teacher thing and uh and every single one of those things that I did is just playing into this now like um the video stuff the sound stuff the being comfortable on stage I mean you know I would perform in front of you know 100 not not huge crowds but hundreds of people and once you learn how to like black out in a stage and just get through (laughs) it and like you realize that the people don't know that you're messing up unless you let them know you're messing up you're (laughs) like ah it's not a problem you know (laughs) So um, that's kind of like where a lot of that stuff comes from. And then when I first, you know, when you first start teaching, you just try to keep it like pretty traditional and like, you know, as you should, when you start everything, you got to kind of like really keep it basic. You got to follow all the rules. But over the past, you know, I, I was... I was tutoring a long time, like five years throughout college and grad school. So I feel like I did have a decent amount of experience coming into the classroom. So now this is year five in the classroom. And I just feel like I'm really able to like break the rules, push the lines, and like bring all sort of this energy in. Yeah, I love it. And, you know, it is important that you pointed out the lay the foundation of, you know, the basics and set that foundation. But then, you know, I just see you using your personality, your personal experience to be able to connect with students. What's a piece of advice you would give to maybe I'm a two or three year educator. I've got the foundation, but I want to get that next level of connection. Maybe I don't have experience as, you know, a spoken word, you know, person up on stage or music, but like, how do I bring out my personality into a lesson to impact students? What do I do? So it definitely goes back to that backwards design, right? That basic that we're all taught. Okay. What's that end goal? And then instead of thinking in terms of that end goal of like some test or like really like some state aligned standard or whatever, you need to say, okay, like I can still do that, but in the real world, how does that skill actually show up? Or if there's no one-to-one connection, um, you can try to connect it to like a current event or just something that you like to do. And so you're thinking about, okay, like what's a deliverable, what's an activity, um, I don't know how to make it more concrete. I always like those like concrete, like do one, two, three. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, But I guess too, the other thing would just be like, that's that whole stay foolish part of it. Okay. I got the basics down now. Like let's have some fun with it. Like there's, and I see this a lot too in the feedback, you know, there's that whole awkward thing where people come in and watch you and give you feedback. And for me, actually that's, 
that's pretty foreign when I came into education, because when I worked as a tutor, like that was baked into the cake there. Like you knew from day one, cause it was like very much like you did a training program and then they, you were in there. So you were like 50, 50 with people. And then they would wean you off and then they would come in, give you feedback. And it was super fluid. And because they just paid all this money to train you and they don't want to have to pay, they invest super heavily in yeah. that process. And so even though when a te- when I- I'm pretty good at it, I don't really get nervous like I did anymore. <laughs> like you, pretty much like last year and a year three, I was like really getting comfortable with it. You know, you got to get over that and just be like, no, this is good for me. Like I want that feedback. And I do too. I think when you go in with that attitude, it totally opens up the person who's grading you as well. Versus if you go in with that attitude of like, oh, they're here to get me, you right. know, even though you are kind of like the subordinate in the relationship, you have that you know, that you can charm them. <laughs> it was sweet talk them, give them what they want. Oh um, man, I'm all about the sweet talk. <laughs> I, I want to hear an experience, whether it's spoken word or a class that didn't go the way you hoped and like the feelings that were associated with that. Give me an example or a story. Yeah. I, I remember when I was a student teacher and I had this whole like lesson. It was the French revolution. It was like this timeline thing. It was going to be so cool. Like I had the different pieces and the kids were going to come in and help me fill it in. And I like, I couldn't remember anything. Like I would look (laughs) at the page and like, I would read it. And by the time I looked up, like I couldn't speak. And, and so, and like, literally I don't even barely remember. Like I, I blacked out (laughs) and then I came out of it and I was like, all right, like what, what happened? And, and that experience happened to me like pretty often as, as a, as a new teacher. So again, just going back to kind of like performing on stage, like you just got to push through it. And yeah. again, the kids, it's really funny because you become super hyper aware of it, but the kids are really, I mean, sometimes they can tell when you're struggling, but uh, sometimes they can't, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Most of the time there's like, oh, I was just part of it. Yeah, 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 uh. exactly. Sometimes they can tell, sometimes they can tell, but if you just keep pushing through it and you like just like whatever just go to the next one and then you reflect on it and then you follow up and then be honest with the kids like hey guys we were doing this yesterday and this went super awesome but i kind of want to you know i i didn't do this so well so i want to go back over it and the kids do appreciate that honesty as well yeah for sure and your youtube channel is class disruption and it's all about disrupting the status quo i want you to break that down for us what do you see as the status quo and what is your why behind the like disruption piece? Break that down for us. All right. So I'll start with the, with the name itself. So class disruption kind of has a double meaning. It has, it has the meaning in terms of like students, right? So we have those class disruptions and they're like the bad kids. Right. They, you know, we kick them out this and that. And it's this idea of like, no, education isn't supposed to be about like compliance sitting there. Like, let's get up. Let's have fun. If some kid is like bursting out, well, that's probably some type of energy that you can embrace and bring in somehow. Um, and I always kind of felt like I was like, when I was in school, I was kind of that kid. Um, I wasn't like, like the get in trouble in class kind of kid, but I was definitely that kid who would ask those questions that the teachers did not want to get asked or like <laughs> always had some point, you know, like always bringing in kind of like this alternative thing that the like textbook didn't necessarily touch on, um, broadening that, that window. Right. 
Um, so there's that aspect, but then there's the aspect too, of just like being a teacher and not feeling like I have to be confined by some of these, some ideas that I think are, um, encroaching upon like education or like, or sometimes in education, it feels like it's a fad. Everybody has to do this thing. Like we're doing it this way. So I want to be as a teacher able to say, well, here's another perspective. Here's another way of looking at it or being able to like throw out, like, I love throwing out like wild, outrageous ideas, maybe even offensive things sometimes, you know, but like not in a serious way, just being like, Hey guys, like, here's an idea. Let's Try to come at it from the other angle. Why is that wrong? Why is the other thing better? Um, <clears throat> excuse me. So there's that's kind of like the name. And then what do I see as the status quo? <laughs> well, actually, is a book back here. I have this book and it's from like the 1970s and literally everything that we talk about today with the way that school is set up, the way that grades are done, the way that we group the kids, move them from class to class, teach them in a sanitized curriculum. It's the same exact conversation we're having today. Um, And one of the big things that I see is one of the problems is just like this over centralization. I mean, in New York city, the, the central DOE has 1800 different schools, right. you know, and, and I just constantly see like people being like, Oh, the DOE should do this. The DOE needs to hand down this. And I'm like, why is that a DOE decision? There's so many different factors that might vary from school to school. I mean, even with the, the COVID plans, you know, everybody was like, not everybody, but there was a lot of people looking to like the union and the DOE to come up with this like magical one size fits all plan. But at the same time, they're like, every school is different. So I'm like, do you not see the issue here? And then I'm like, it should be the school building officials. Oh, school building officials. They aren't, you know, able, capable to handle this. I'm like, well, then maybe they shouldn't be principal (laughs) if they can't figure out how to like, what do small businesses do? Like, is this, is the lady who, who owns the laundromat more qualified than my principal to decide how to implement coronavirus, you know, regulations. Right. Um, you know, so that's the central side. And then I see the union bureaucracy too. You know, yesterday on, on Twitter, somebody was like, are you union? Are you pro-union? Are you anti-union? I was like, you know, I I will gladly have this discussion with you, but I don't think Twitter's the place to have it. This is more of a, you know, a complicated, nuanced topic. And I'd be more than happy to have like a long form discussion with you on YouTube. And he was like, well, if you ask me, I would not hesitate. And I would say, yes, I'm pro-union. And I'm like, whoa, like, cool. That's so like, for you. Yeah, which, which is fine. Like, I have nothing against if you're pro-union or anti-union. It's just that for me, those labels don't capture how I feel about unions. I think it's great to have representative democracy. I just don't think that the union is a representative democracy. I think it's gotten so big and Goliath to the point where its own incentive is literally just to make sure it exists. Right. Like Like, it's a business. Right. It doesn't forget that progressing education. It doesn't care about reforming education. Like the local high school year, yeah, I don't live in, in the city, like, but in my town where I live, they were trying to change to a block schedule from like a traditional, um, whatever periods schedule, whatever, yeah. yeah, period schedule. And the teachers were up in arms. And it's just like crazy that we can't make a small little change like that right. without having this huge battle. Oh, what about my free period and my this and that? And like, it's like, those things are important, but I don't know. Yeah. And I think that's, 
the part about not being defined by one set of standards or rules like the union. Hey, it could be great for you. It could be bad, whatever your opinion is, but it doesn't mean it represents everyone and exactly how they feel. So how are we able to have conversations with people that support it? They don't support it. One thinks this way, one thinks that way. I think that's missing in so many different levels of education, government, neighborhoods, whatever it may be, like it's just people can't have adult conversations and disagree respectfully to move forward. And I I love how you like being in education and the point you brought out about it hasn't evolved with, you know, the world is evolving so fast with technology, but education just continues to fall behind because there is that, you know, bureaucratic, things that were just tied to years and years of, Hey, this is how we did it. This is what worked in the past. Let's keep doing it. And I think we're, yeah. we're missing. The and, boat. and it's a disconnect too. Like, I don't just blame the system. I for sure blame families too, because if we're not staying intimately involved in holding these institutions accountable, even if you lack the choice, like I have to go to this school because that's my zip code, which I think is another issue too, right. but <clears throat> we got to be holding these schools accountable. Like we have to be in there and on them. And it's, I think it's funny, you know, like adults, they, not always like there's plenty of adults who work for some you know nonprofit that's like in the basement of a church or something but like you know corporate america it's all like shiny and glitzy and you know they at least like hide their crap You, you walk into a high school and it's just like there's not toilet paper there's not soap like you're scrounging around for you know teaching is the only job that you steal stuff from your home to bring into the, the office so it's just it, it is kind of like out of sight, out of mind. Thinking high school is in there, and then we. Oh. All right, you're back. Okay. So the last thing I heard was out of sight, out of mind. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. I was just like, you know, it's out of sight, out of mind. It's even for me as a parent, my son, you know, at preschool, it's hard to keep track of what goes on there. Right. Uh, So. Yeah. So many different levels that, I mean, we could spend probably hours and hours going deep into that. I want to get to some questions that I ask all the guests that come on the show to kind of go deep and hear their perspectives. The first one is, what is one subject that isn't currently taught in education that you think every student should have? Okay. Every student should have. Okay. I was thinking of like a course that I would like to do, but I don't know if every student needs to have it. Um, I would like to just see, um, this is probably a popular one, but more like financial based kind of stuff. Yep. Um, and not like that dry financial literacy, but like kids actually doing some sort of project, you know, empowering them. Like they get half a day or something to like really get together, think, plan it out, execute, carry it through. Um, and, and whether it's honestly financial literacy or just like some sort of, um, uh, what do you call it? like community-based project or some, just something where you're right. actually making something that's meaningful to you. I mean, when I think back to high school, there's very few things that I actually remember except for like that 15 page research project that I, you know, spent half a term on um, like the camping trip that we took, yep. like a speech I gave in front of the whole school 
and and then I have a couple teachers who like you know things that they said to me are very deep in my mind but other than that like right yeah that's <laughs> like, something it's a it's a very common theme it's like uh, you know I don't remember learning anything like here are the the top five points that I'm still using today that I like really impacted me. Like how do we create more of those impactful events? Um, and I think relationships. like relationships, financial literacy, health and wellness, like those types of things, and obviously. Sports. Yeah, and sports. Like, sure. you know, I remember when my team like went to the championship, I remember when we would ride the bus, you know, to the, cause we were at the, the field down the street and like, yeah. we, <laughs> sing song like those are you those are the things you remember you don't remember like every single event of the french revolution like i still have to remind myself before i teach the unit i'm like all right how did this come again (laughs) i know they start chopping heads off somewhere (laughs) yeah something happened what was that um second question if you were going to give a ted talk what would the subject be and the title of that ted talk Mm, dang that's so hard the world needs needs your talk let's hear it Oh man. Okay. So if I was to give a Ted talk, I would give, oh man, you might be stumping me here. It's like, I'm thinking of everything, but then I'm like, oh wait, that's not like epic enough. Um, I think that I would give a Ted talk about like the different ways the different modes of thinking, I guess one thing, and, and I would, and I'd say this because it's actually something I'm interested in doing more research in. Mm -hmm. Um, something that I've noticed is that I toggle back and forth between this very, like, like logical logic based thinking, not that it's always like logical and like the actual sense of the word, but like list ordered kind of way. And, and that's super important, but where I find I actually do my most powerful thinking is when I'm in this very like spatial, like immersive, like I got to close my eyes or kind of like look up at a blank space. Like, oh, I'm watching the queen's gambit right now. Like <laughs> minus the whole, like whatever she's like, um, what does she like save up? She, I don't know if you've seen it. I haven't seen it yet. Okay. She like, she, she's in um, a, a children's home. Um, she, you know, she has to get uh, adopted. And um, they like give them tranquilizers, I think it is. And she like saves them up so she can like hallucinate and then she'll like see things on the ceiling. Um, But I really like when I lesson plan, I have before I can get to the paper, I I do that. I literally like look at a blank space or close my eyes and I see, okay, like this is what I'm doing. And then it's so powerful because you don't just think about one thing at a time when you're in that list order, you can actually see everything at the same time. Right. So um, I think it would be cool to be able to like explore that, see the science behind it, and then apply it from a very like educational pedagogical lens. I love it. Yeah. I mean, I think taking time in silence or just that like free thinking is so important. And that's where I do my best work, whether I'm like out on a run or I just sit somewhere in silence. I'm not like, oh, I need to think about this. It's like, hey, let's just just let your, let your mind go. Um, and that's why I actually really appreciate, not really appreciate it. Cause you know, when I work from home on like days today, I'm like, Oh, it's kind of nice not to have that drive, but <laughs> that's a lot of time. You know, when I drive, like that's what I do before the day. I'm like, okay, how's my lesson going to go? What am I going to do? And then yep. I get to school real quick and I'm like, all right, I need <laughs> to, yeah. I need to look at that revolution again and see what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> and then last question, you're doing so many things. Um, and I love it when your work is complete, 
how will education look different? Teachers will have more autonomy. What does that look like? So I, you know, I think a lot, one of the other things that I'll do a lot of times, and this is in my mind as well, is like, think about, okay, like what would my perfect school look like? Like, what would the space look like? How would I set it up in terms of scheduling, teachers' expectations? And I have a few different ideas, but one of the ideas that I really like is, um, more of kind of like a college model. So you know how like college professors, they come in and they're like, okay, this is my expertise and this is the course I'm gonna offer. Like, I guess sometimes the college probably tells them like, you need to teach like psychology 101, but they also have like their area of expertise and they make their course and like kids have to choose to sign up for it. Um, So I think it would be really cool that, you know, and not every teacher is made to do this. Not every teacher is made to, design curriculum. I think that there's some great teachers out there who like teach really well. Um, So I would like to see, I think a little bit of that variation too. in one of my other models, but these would be teachers who design their own stuff. And if kids aren't taking your course, it's like, Hey, like, we need to rework our course, figure it out here, you know, (laughs) or, um, so I think that would be a cool idea. Um, so that'd be one way I would do it. Cause I definitely am a super nerd about curriculum development. I, I love it. Yeah, yeah, that would be that. That's cool, and that's what I was thinking when you were talking about. It. It's like, hey, if kids don't choose your class, like we we got to look at what we can change. Right, and it kind of brings in some of that. Like, I think one of the things missing from school, and I'm gonna get in trouble for this, is um, <laughs> like some of those market forces. Right, is some of that like okay, and 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 this is student choice too. I don't think students have nearly enough choice. I don't think parents have nearly enough choice. And I think that if we kind of like open it up and stop trying to control everything so rigidly, right from the, the students to the families, to the teachers, we're going to see a lot more. You can't control it. And there's definitely like, that's not a pitch for equity because people, oh, that's so inequitable because, you know, if you're trying to figure it out and it doesn't go well, then those kids are going to suffer over right. here. So that, and that's my main dig at equity too. Yeah. That's something I've thought about a lot with technology is if I'm, if I have a young child or a, a kid and they want a, a history class, I want to choose your history class. It's going to be entertaining and like engaging. And they're going to take away things that, you know, Mr. Stevens, who's been teaching for 40 years and just sits there and talks or reads from the textbook that's at my school. That's not what I want. I want my kid to be able to learn from you. So like, how can we leverage technology and make that happen? I think that's something that's going to come come quicker yeah, than we soon, realize. I mean, that's definitely something I remember last February, like right when everything was first starting to happen, I was talking with this educator from uh, Texas and she has her own micro school. Her name is yep. uh, Teresa, I forget her last name. Her name is Teresa and it's called Safari Small Schools. And I was like, yeah, like, I think it would be cool. Like just to have like this video series on YouTube. And then like, you could pay for an extension of like, you know, the hour live class. And then if you want one-on-one time, something like that. So you know, right now I'm kind of making like these videos that are kind of like the introduction to the unit videos and then maybe like a halfway through the unit. And so as I do this, I would love to like add more small videos in between and make it like a full course. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, the, the course world outside of education is millions and millions, probably billion dollar industry. Like what I should be able to pick and choose. The teacher course guru over here. Yeah. (laughs) See, I mean, teachers, you don't need to be in a classroom all day. You can make a million dollars a year. By sign up for my course. Four hours. <laughs> yeah, sign up week. for my course. 
Yep. It's right now it's nine, 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 nine. It's going to be a great deal. Um, awesome. This has been so much fun. I'm so glad we got to connect. I know you are busy, busy, busy. Um, but I think people are going to get a lot of value from this. Where can people follow you, support you, see all the amazing stuff you're putting out? Yeah, for sure. The number one place I would love for people to follow me, actually subscribe because it's YouTube, is my YouTube channel. Like I'm really putting a lot into that right now. So that's class disruption. And that's like really teacher facing content. If you are looking for some like student facing content or like teacher vlogs, you can find me at Making History with Miss Edmonds also on YouTube. So those are like really two big things that I'm doing. But I'm also on Instagram and I'm on Twitter. Same thing. Class disruption. And I'll give you like the exact links you could put them down below yeah, yeah. for everybody i'll be linking those in the show notes for <laughs> sure as you guys listen to the show make sure you comment um give us a five-star review reach out to stephanie let her know what you thought definitely follow the links in the show notes and i hope you guys enjoyed this episode see you next time awesome, awesome. yes and i appreciate you i didn't get to be like oh thank you like i was gonna <laughs> <laughs> and I was going to say, oh, I'll, I'll make a, a little thing. I'll put it on the story right now. Because like whenever I see your videos, I'm like, oh, dang, I should go work out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so let me know. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll send you some of the program. I'll, I'll hook you up. What, what grades are you teaching? I, I teach uh, mostly 10th graders. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, so I'll send you some of our, all of our student fit class breaks are free now on YouTube. Oh, so you cool. Check I'll those check out. them out. If okay, you look at like student fit. It's like three to seven minute class breaks, mindfulness, and then movement. So Okay, awesome. I do like class. this Thursday like radio show with kids and we do like yeah. a dance warm up. So maybe I can supplement from that or like at least get some ideas. So. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. awesome. Well, I appreciate your time. Thank you, um, man. I appreciate you. Probably put it out next Wednesday. All so right. if you have a picture or something you want me to include, shoot me a fun Got you on Stephanie photo and I'll All use right. it. <laughs> Sounds good. Thank you so much. All right. Have a good day. Bye. You too. See ya.